0: You are listening to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane. I'm here once again with my good partner, Chris Valente. Chris, how are you, buddy? Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Uh, just got done trick-or-treating with my three-year-old. She was a ghost, and she was scared uh, out of her mind to go up to each house. So we went to like four or five houses just around my
1: house. So my, my family was Monsters, Inc., Monsters University. We had my son was Sully. My daughter was Michael Wazowski, my wife was Boo, and I had a Monsters University and a hard hat on. There you we go. Went... I like how the family dressed up. We didn't do that. Yeah, we did it, and um, got got some great reviews, and uh, we had to go just to a few houses. I mean, the, the wind, it was it was amazing, though. It was 65, 66 degrees outside, a little windy, but walking around in a t-shirt. Yeah,
0: it was, uh, it was good.
1: I didn't dress up at all. I think I have a Paw Sox hoodie on and uh that's about it so this is this was the uh anniversary though of my duck boat that we talked about last year this was the halloween parade halloween parade you were on a duck boat and now you're wearing a hard hat and and monsters a lot
0: can change in here things
1: can change very very (laughs) quickly in one year uh very different day for me today than it was last year I can imagine probably a little less alcohol in you. Um, much well, yeah, much after last night, maybe not, but much less. Yes, today. You had a good time last night. Hence, you had a good time last night. Hence, why we're a day late uh, doing the podcast. Yes, I had a good time with our friend <laughs> Reebok. So, um, yeah, that that's was... good.
0: Well worth it. Well worth the delay. I yes. promise you that.
1: It will. It hopefully, hopefully, it will be. Yes, that was a long, long night. But here we are on Halloween, and uh, the kids are in bed. Sugar, they crashed from a sugar high, probably, and. Uh, now the dads get to you eat know, the leftover candy because no one comes to the door to take anymore. So we will be divvying that up between our office and pounding Snickers for the next three weeks. I am on the uh, same exact uh, same exact train.
0: Uh, we were out and it doesn't matter. But anyway, so uh, today's Halloween, thirty first. This is going to go out November first. November first is the deadline to start your application. With our great friends at San Diego State uh, Sports NBA program. And by the way, World Series MVP from? San Diego State. You told me this too. I didn't put two and two together. NBA Finals MVP
1: from? San Diego State. Ah, incredible. All they do is just bang out Strasburg winners. Strasburg and Kauai. That's amazing. Aztecs. I uh, almost fell out of my chair when you said that. do you remember speaking to San Diego State? How much Strasburg was pumped up when he was back in college? He was like the one college baseball player that I ever remembered being talked about as much as with Strasburg. Like, there's been he was he was one of
0: those guys that when he was coming up, it was I was in minor league baseball. He was like the prospect. And I don't remember anybody being anywhere even close to that recently. About like you've got to go see Strasburg; he's coming up; he's going to be the next great Nolan Ryan or whatever. Never.
1: I don't remember any college player. I mean, Bryce Harper and all them were high schoolers, and they talked. But he didn't go to college. But like from a college perspective, I don't know of anybody other than Strasburg that's ever been talked about like the way he's, he was. It was he was on Sports Center all the time. Like I remember that very vividly when he was coming. And it was on San Diego State that it was just all they talked about was Strasburg, and I don't think it's been before or since anyone like that in college. Yeah, I remember the same thing, and it was just a nut job coming up, uh, uh, up, the, up through the minor league
0: ranks. Uh, I have a good friend of mine who runs the Nationals Double A team, and uh, he's just said it was crazy during those uh, during those years. So, um, what also is uh, so I, we would highly suggest if you want to be around major league, you know, World Series MVPs and you know, NBA Finals MVPs is go to San Diego State. Yeah. Uh, and included in their sports NBA program is a great trip to the Dominican, all included. I get to go and see a um, – you get to see where the prospects are held, and they talk about all kinds of uh, all kinds of good stuff about how important education is. They do a community service thing, uh, and they even get to go talk uh, with a Major League Baseball uh, bank who's a sponsor of Major League Baseball and talk about you know f- how they leverage their partnership with financial literacy, the whole thing. So you get to go to the Dominican; it's included in everything, uh, and you learn a heck of a lot. So your deadline's uh, today, so you got to do it. So hurry up, get the heck off of it. You know, listen to the podcast, go to sdsu.edu backslash SMBa, figure out how to start an application, start the application today, and uh, and get going.
1: Right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because you know who did that, little Jackie Tipton. Little Jackie Tipton. That was a fun interview. Well, it it was a, it was funny just to listen to you guys like reminisce and catch up and describe the Robbie versus Jackie yeah, Robbie if, and Jackie for before fourteen, and uh, it's still crazy that you two separated what sixth grade and then both went on to the exact same type of career. And how hard it is to get in this business to begin with. For those odds of that to happen, and then reconnect through LinkedIn of just randomly searching people, years later is one of those just Hollywood type stories. But it was uh, it was it was great to hear just from his perspective and how he prepares. And you, you kind of alluded to him like kind of like Lucchino and being just what was, what's the word that Lucchino uses for preparation? Uh, uh, a pathological pathological about his preparation. And uh, I, I actually connected with Jack after the meeting um that you got the conversation you guys had on LinkedIn because I heard how active he was on social media and I've started following he's him.
0: everywhere go follow Jack Tipton on LinkedIn if you're listening to this thing you'd be stupid not to go uh follow Jack great
1: content I I've already I've, it's totally been worth the, the the connection he and I have made of just watching how he he operates on there you can pick up a thing or two so yeah that, that interview was that interview was great from just two sides of like hey like old friends catching up and then also just hearing how he's been successful and what, what he's done in, along his career path to be the senior director of sales for the Penguins. Um, it, it was very, 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 uh, like I, I don't know how to describe it, but in terms of just like surreal, I think would be the best it way. Kind of, it was
0: kind of surreal for me. The, um, so the when the picture we, was great.
1: We, the picture was amazing.
0: <laughs> you can thank uh, uh, Karen Crane for that, my mom. Um, the thing that i did is so we do it through skype and record through skype and um when he got on and i got on i basically instantly hit record because i didn't want to lose the moment of him being like holy crap that's robbie crane and hope me going holy crap jackie tipton across the thing and just like catching up so that was very enjoyable. So I don't know what he kind of thought as like, why is he just hitting record? We have no idea what we're talking about. Um, Could you kind of give give a little prep before? Right. But I just hit record because I didn't want to lose that like, hey,
1: hey, how are well, you? Well, came off. It just came. Literally, it was funny. It sounded like you guys had been talking for the last twenty five years. It was it was natural, which was. Which is great, cause like it's, you've, I'm sure you both have changed a lot since sixth grade. And look yeah, at, he's
0: a hell of a lot smarter than I am.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, goes to, to Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, this guy, this guy used to hang out with Rob. He went to Notre Dame, and then he's like, oh, I'm gonna go get my uh, MBA uh, over yeah. at San Diego State. I'm like, eh, it doesn't sound like Rob Crane's friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, to- total upgrade on that one. I hang out with guys like you went to UMass. Yeah, that's that's we went I went the complete opposite of Notre Dame, but <laughs> you know what? My roommate from uh, my roommate, at, my first roommate at UMass transferred to Notre Dame. Did any of the smarts rub off
0: on you? I, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so either. They, um, so yeah, Jack was great. One of the things that I loved is he goes, We have the, uh, I get the opportunity to fail. And that was one of these things that just kind of etched in my brain uh, because uh, he kind of had this go big or go home type thing, but he really thought things through. Was like he, we, like Lucchino said, pathological about his preparation. I also think he brought up a thing that we haven't really talked about a lot is the importance of selling your idea internally. So once you get your job, it's really hard to get things through uh, when you have to sell everything internally, right? That's part of the process. You got to go through it And uh, I think Jack gave some very good insight about, you know, selling uh, your idea uh, to your colleagues because you just can't be like, hey, I've got this idea here. You know, he did the golden ticket. All right, do this golden ticket. I'm going to start tomorrow. Thanks. See ya. No, it doesn't work like that.
1: No, not even close. I I think honestly, sometimes the internal selling is more important and, and sometimes more difficult than the external selling because- the external people are always going to want to be the ones that want to do those crazy type of ideas. It's getting everyone on board and aligned across multiple departments internally on your end to, to pull that off. And especially where I'm at, like with Fenway Sports, I mean, we work with all the, all the FSG properties that we own, but then also the ones we represent. So I can come to the table with the greatest concept idea in the world. If our If our organization that we're working for on their behalf doesn't want to do it, and I can't sell it up the ladder... It's all for naught, right? So like, great job getting the offer and great job getting the concept built out with the sponsor. But if my internal people don't want to do this, it doesn't matter. So you better be able to, to build those relationships internally so when you go ask for a favor and you come with your crazy ideas, people are saying yes instead of turning you away and, and wasting your time.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's one of the things we just haven't talked about. And uh, it's it's incredibly important to build consensus and kind of whatever that you're doing. And I think Jack uh, went really into that. And he's so good on social. I saw something else that he posted today. Um, and one of the things that he said was like, I, I've got an audience. And he's basically trying to provide value to his audience. And I was like, well, that's kind of a different way to think about it. And um, he was just great. And uh, I'm so appreciative of uh, Jack. Uh, you know, And I still have that thing uh, where my sports hero is Mario Lemieux. Uh, though Jack says he could do nothing for me (laughs) internal,
1: (laughs) inside in my gut. I'm saying I've, I'm one step closer. I'm one step closer. I would say so. I mean, having a connection to the Pittsburgh Penguins is as close as you're going to get to Mario. So like, hopefully maybe one day when you go back to Pittsburgh, go to a game and Mario just happens to be there. Um, that's how you get to figure it out. Uh, uh, fingers crossed. I, uh, when I was in
0: Scranton, the AAA of, uh, the AHL team for the, uh, Penguins is in, uh, in Zen Wilkesbury, uh, which is a town next to Scranton. And, uh, I was always talking to the guys there. I was like, if Lemieux comes, I only ask that you just call me. I will be there in a <laughs> second. I don't care if I'm on the moon, I'm going to come back uh, for that time. So it uh, doesn't matter. Let me know when Lemieux comes. Uh, Lemieux never came. Um, but I do feel I'm, I'm, I'm inching my way. I'm only 37 years old. Uh, and, uh,
1: I, I still got time, I hope. The, um, the, the one thing, too, is in terms of uh, getting people on board internally, going back to that real quick, is this is where communication and this is where the young folks probably drop the ball a little bit is feeling like they might be bothersome and, and not communicating and sometimes not maliciously not doing it. But the quicker you get people on board earlier in the process, the easier it will be as the process moves along, right? So if you go through this whole entire thing on your own get to that point where you're trying to get a yes internally. And then you're springing this stuff on multiple people who have never seen or heard of it. You're now fighting a much more uphill battle. You got to get people on board early, just at least so they feel like they're in the loop and informed. You're not dropping a bomb on their desk. All of a sudden, like, Hey, I gotta do this golden ticket idea. They're like what the hell? is yeah, what? what the <laughs> hell is a golden ticket? Idea? We're not really we, walking. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? But if you've got the people yeah. on board early, it's much easier to get that accomplished. Totally agree. You know, also I thought we, uh,
0: you know, as we kind of go through this front office features journey, um, that's a month or so old right now. Uh, I thought we did something fun this uh, week. Was we had a
1: guest blogger? Yeah, she took my job. I might have to. She be, took might, your job. I might be out of a job if she keeps writing like that. I, I thought it was. I, listen, for everything we talk about, her putting it down on paper based on where she's at in her career. Uh, exemplified what we 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 give it from an advice standpoint. You gotta take chances, you gotta take risks, and you gotta sacrifice things to get where you want to be, and that's what it sounds like. Hannah has done a great job up to this point to get this full time role with you. So, kudos to her um, and everything. That- we're actually
0: gonna talk to her. So,
1: in this podcast,
0: after I get after we get done talking, uh, we're gonna hang up, and then we're gonna talk. To, uh, I'm gonna talk to Hannah about why she wanted to write this. She was, uh, so she's very really, open. she's
1: really taking my job. Yeah, she, she better be worried. You, you better be worried. She's really I'm good. I'm about to get Wally pipped. That's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's okay. I understand. They, uh, so, uh, so if you haven't gone to check out our website, front features.com. And, uh it's right there on the homepage, uh, about the blog, about how she, uh, you know, she was taking so much advice from her father and how her family is just a a baseball family. And, uh, the title of it was called every pitch counts and basically saying every opportunity matters. So she was an intern with us for two years. And the first year she was literally filling five gallon buckets of lemonade and moving them and trays of hot dogs and setting up tables and chairs and flipping burgers if she needed to. And she did it with a smile on her face, and uh, we loved her. And we said, we got to have you back. We don't have a full-time job, but if you'd like to stay, we can have you stay. And uh, then we kind of moved her in kind of more of a different hospitality-ish role. She kind of dealt with our high-end clients, uh, and she did uh, exceptional there. So she just kept taking her one thing, like slinging hot dogs, and made it into a uh, and made it into a full time career, and then we are uh, our special events director uh, took a different position, which we talked about on a different podcast. And now Hannah was an easy plug and play person to fill uh, fill that opening. I think it's important for us uh, as managers that we use the intern um, uh, the internship program. Or what i'll call bench depth does that make sense
1: yeah so it, there's a couple of things in there so the first this all started because she met you at the baseball winter meetings right That she went out oh, there. the baseball winter meetings oh yeah buddy so she went out there that's us so we've talked about that a lot of like hey look if you're trying to break in the industry and you want to start it off your career hannah's a perfect example of like look this isn't just us talking this actually works and then being an intern is not just like a check the box thing right if you take it that way That's all it can be. But if you go in and you bust it and it's almost uh, an audition, if you treat it as such, to impress the people as if you are a full-time person, that's how you land the full-time role and stay on board. Because if she went in and just was like, yep, I'm carrying some hot dogs. I didn't love it. See you later. And then left after the one year, she would not have got this full-time gig she just got. Because unfortunately, sometimes life's about timing. Timing worked out for her. Someone left. The position was open. You said you didn't even think twice. She got the role because as as an intern, she was carrying herself in a way that if she was a full-time employee. So when you knew you made her a full-time employee, nothing would change. And that's just, that's the difference between someone who comes in and just like, hey, I know I need to do internships versus someone who goes in and is like, I'm going to make an impression on these people. So I have a connection for life or a job when I'm done. Right. There's just, it's just different. It's different strokes for different folks, but she clearly was taking it to heart of like even though i'm doing what might seem like menial tasks there's a reason i'm doing this it has to be done and i'm going to do it with a smile on my face and that goes a long way you said that you talk about the one thing effort, effort right effort and attitude you can control that it doesn't matter in the name of your position or your title intern or vice president you can still control those two things and kudos to her i mean and very well written in terms of her story and working two jobs to make ends meet that's this literally sports in a nutshell. She could start a sports one-on-one class, and she would be the perfect example of like what to do to make things happen.
0: Well, I'm excited to have her on. She's going to be on this show in you know a couple minutes. Um, I did want to share two things with you, two stories. Bring them on. One, on Monday of this week, I went to Framingham State University in Massachusetts,
1: right next to my great town, university. Natick. And you didn't tell me you were there and swing by. That's that's very rude, Rob. Yeah, I didn't want to see it. I know. Uh, <laughs> and uh,
0: I went there, and I spoke to a sports marketing class. And I went into the sports marketing class. I met the professor at the ballpark, and uh, we just hit it off. And I told him about front office features uh, back probably before we had even got started. And I walk into the class, and uh, I had a coffee. Actually, I had a coffee with the professor before, and he goes, Hey, I just want to let you know that uh, I use front office features as assignments all the time. Wow, And that's awesome! It was, and so I was like, "Well, that's really cool." Thank you. And then I went into the room and I started giving them the talk or whatever, and they were asking questions about stuff that we talked about, and it was totally surreal for me. It was like, "Holy shit!" That's crazy. This is awesome. It felt just so freaking good. Uh, I haven't shared that with you.
1: No, you haven't. Uh, that's awesome.
0: But it was, uh, it was good. It felt like. You know these times that we sit here in our basement talking uh, really paid off.
1: Well, if they need someone who's readily, literally next door to come over and talk to them again, you know, I told I, I, I'm available. I, I I'm cheap. I'm on I'm on the hire. I'm, I'm available. Um, <laughs> there you go. You know, you know it's so the World Series ended right. So that's it. Right. As of last night, Game Seven. Everyone, first time ever that the home team didn't win a game. It's insane. Which is mind blowing in terms of that's even possible. Uh, given how much home field advantage typically matters, and how good the Astros were at home this year, but uh, now is when, from if you're looking for jobs in the, in the in the baseball in the sports world, things will start to move right. Things will start to shake out. People now have caught their breath. The off season has begun. If people are officially free agents in more ways than one, people will start to now look to move around their jobs if they currently have one. So if you're if you're looking to break in. Definitely monitor those job boards because baseball openings will start to pop up uh, in the very, very near future.
0: You know what we should do is on when we uh, see one, we should do uh, post it on our Twitter uh, at front office at F O features uh, is our Twitter handle. So look us up on Twitter. Uh, we'll start posting some of those things.
1: Yeah, no, they're, it's definitely going to be coming in quick. I mean, I'm sure you guys are starting to figure out your budgets for next year and what kind of staffing you need. Oh, yeah. So. Even from the majors to the minors, this is all going to be a big prime time to start getting your foot in the door. And key advice we've always talked about, don't wait for the job to be posted. Start making start. connections now. Amen. Reach out uh, now.
0: Can I tell you an embarrassing story? Sure. So, as you know, uh, I, we, I'm part of our sales team in Pawtucket. And we had a renewal meeting with Honeydew Donuts. Okay. Honeydew Donuts, three years ago, I pitched them, and I was n- maybe never more in the groove during a presentation pitch than I was at Honeydew Donuts three years ago. I was drinking a Honeydew coffee while I was doing it, and uh, we pitched them a 50% upsale in this presentation three years ago. They loved it. They were eaten from the palm of my hand. (laughs) Okay? Awesome. I was never so good. Then, we talk about the renewal this year. I go in, and I sit down, and there's a wonderful honeydew in my hometown. Okay? That I live. Excuse me. And I sit down, and I go to brag about this honeydew donuts. And... How I go brag about this? I said, you know, I've got. Uh, there's a great Dunkin' Donuts in my hometown, and I start going on and on and on. And oh. there would go. Did you say Dunkin' Donuts? Oh. I was like, oh no, I can't, I can't, I can't. What? No. And he's like, you. They're like, Honeydew do Donuts. I was like, yes. I. Oh gee, I like. <laughs> I was shook for the next hour after I. Legitimately meant to compliment, which is a wonderful uh, honeydew. I just did it again. Honeydew donuts in Lincoln, Rhode Island. There's a great honeydew there. And I called it Duncan in front uh, of the whole
1: honeydew team. I never felt so small in my life. That's uh, So I got two quick funny stories along those lines, which they might even be worse because yours was definitely a slip-up. So... There's a, a, a tale, and I won't name names, of, of an individual who UPSed a document to FedEx. <laughs> like, that is bad, right? That is bad. You, that is, sponsor, you, if you're UPSing FedEx, not <laughs> great. Um, not and then a couple years ago, a uh, person who no longer works for us, who was our executive assistant, we were sending out our Christmas presents and gifts, and one of the things was a food basket. And Frito Lay is a huge partner of ours um, at the Red Sox. We sent non-Frito Lay potato chips to Frito Lay. Oh, good. Uh, they good, were good. not too happy um, and wanted to know why we weren't buying their products to send out. So, yes, those are the mistakes that uh, literally sometimes. But yours was a, yours was a slip of the tongue, clearly. But sending people stuff. In the mail with their other people's products, not Probably usually not, good. not a great idea.
0: Not a great idea. <laughs> not, 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 not a great idea. All right, Chris, um, I'm anxious to go talk to Hannah and See, get like, her, look at this. Uh, this is crazy. Process on this. You're Rushing me so off. So I am kicking you off, off of our product. I'm showing
1: you away. That's unbelievable. I'll go watch Hocus Pocus the marathon on a freeform all night long. Now, thank you. So that's uh, free, free up the rest <laughs> of my night. She's so Hannah has blogged
0: and done a wonderful job. And I'm sure she's going to do a great job. On I this. might not. Uh, I,
1: I'm afraid to listen tomorrow morning. If it's she's like great, I'm like oh shit, I'm screwed. Yeah, be like, well, Chris, this was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, thanks. Wait, have you so have you watched an episode of The Office yet? Uh, no. All right. I mean, uh, every single freaking I don't, even seeing today on like Facebook or LinkedIn, everyone's. Was Dwight from The Office? I feel like every baby was Dwight. Everybody was Dwight. It was crazy. I kept getting Dwight uh, texts because people know how much I love The Office. And I thought of you, and then I'll loop. I'll close this real quick because I know we're gonna go talk to Hannah. So, uh, because this is irony in its finest, M- Michael Scott is the main character of The Office, right? Steve Carell. Right. A Michael Scott has been reaching out to me, who's who's a lawyer, who's <laughs> looking to get in, back into sports. He's got a sports background. I'm like, I have to talk to this kid. Like, his name's Michael Scott. And uh, he's going down... To... His Twitter, I've seen, this
0: think his Twitter, it says, not from the office. Yeah,
1: and he, and he like, I think he, he's been following us because I've been I've been giving him some advice in terms of navigating some bigger companies that, that are out there. And uh, I, so, some of it's going extremely well for him. And I think he's keeps getting interviews with the, an, an organization um, that hopefully would all work out. And then him going down that legal path and him finding his passion, because right now he works in the law, that he doesn't technically love. So, but uh, his name is Michael Scott. I mean, and then he sent me this document in terms of like key factors of him when he's using for like not a resume, but more of like a high bullet points. And it's like, yep, my name, my uh, share the same name as the, the lead character of the office. Like he's embraced it, which you, you kind of have no, to. I love you I love. kind have to, right? But it's creative. It's like, it. and then like in talking to him and we're working through things, he did something, he's doing something different than just being like, well, here's my resume and I'm a lawyer. Like, He's thinking outside the box, and uh, which is this huge, and that just ties into I'm trying to make myself sound smart before you go talk to Hannah, so I don't get fired after this. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and does it up? Does it upset you that? Uh- I'm
0: the only one who has met Steve Carell out
1: of the team. Ah, uh, that's that is egregious on many counts. <laughs> um, luckily, hopefully, maybe one day I can figure that out. Since he is from Massachusetts, I will stalk him and find him. But you'll fig- you'll yes, figure it out. the fact that you have a... The,
0: there's no chance. You haven't met Don Mattingly, your uh, childhood hero. I know. You work in freaking baseball, and you think you're going to get meet uh, Steve Carell? I got the, I got the, I got the. You'll meet
1: Mattingly first. I got Draper. I got Don Draper. I think I that's how that story World Series a couple years ago. I was at the I was no. World Series in the Mets um, for the Mets Royals, and uh, it was Paul Rudd, Don Draper, the Man versus Food guy, and McCutcheon in our in our MLB suite. And I'm sitting there on my phone, and and um, John Ham Don, Don Draper comes up, grabs my phone, and takes a selfie of he and I, and just like that's amazing. I was like, "Wow!" Can you say, Do you have that picture? I do. It actually, yeah, I do.
0: All right, we got to post that tomorrow.
1: Uh, yeah, it's John. I was like, I can never get rid of this phone. I've, my phone has been touched by the marketing god of Don Draper. Yeah, but he took—he just grabbed my phone and did a random selfie with me out of nowhere. It was like, whoa, <laughs> what just happened?
0: All right, we're posting we, that. We picture weren't even tomorrow.
1: talking. He just took my phone. I was on my—I think I was talking to my wife, and he's just like, "Yep, what, let, selfie," and like, boom, took a picture. I was like. Oh. it's a ballsy thing. I like I like his style. I mean, he's Don Draper. I mean, John Hamm. He's like hey, Don Draper can do whatever, the, do heck whatever he the hell he wants to do. You want to take my phone and like throw it out the window? Go for it. Paul Rudd though, <laughs> Paul Rudd was a huge Royals fan. Huge Royals fan. I remember that from my Omaha days. He was sitting there on the edge of his seat for every pitch, and every time that the Mets would get a hit, he would make his son get up. He had his little kid with him and move seats out of superstition. Because he really? was like that into it. He was in the locker room after they won. He was like the fan because his mom's from Kansas City and adopted the Royals years ago. as a fan. It's like He's the one celebrity fan of the Kansas City Royals, I'm pretty sure. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah. So, anyway, say hi to Hannah. Happy Halloween. Go eat some candy. And uh I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. See you later.
0: Before we get to Hannah, I just want to thank our great partners in San Diego State Sports MBA program, the deadline's November 1st. It is like today. So get your uh, application started, sdsu.edu. Uh, they were our, they're our first sponsor. They're such great people over there uh, and have been nothing but just first class the entire way. So uh, I highly suggest sdsu.edu backslash smba. Check it out. All right, I am uh, here with uh, Hannah Butler. Hannah was our guest blogger on Front Office Features this week. Uh, Hannah, how are you?
2: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: Uh, good. Uh, good to uh, have you a part of Front Office Features, but more importantly, good to have you as part of the uh, Paw Sox Front Office. Well, Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Uh, I loved your story, and uh, you are a guest blogger for us. So you can check it out on frontofficefeatures.com. Uh, it's on all our social medias, uh, uh, social media uh, platforms. So check it out there too. Uh, but you wrote a blog uh, about your journey uh, through, um, you know, through college and through kind of two internship years. Where I know for a fact you were kind of doing some shit work, and. <laughs> Uh, you made it through and now our director of special events. Uh, Can you take me through a little bit about what made you want to write that blog and how did you feel after you
1: wrote it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So Rob, you called me when I was on the train up to a Ruins game and asked me to write the blog for you. And one of my passions is mentoring college students. I was a mentor as a senior in school and loved helping the freshmen kind of find their path and figure out what uh, their journey was going to look like in the sport industry. So I was very excited when you asked me to get involved and uh, you know spread the word about how much of a challenge it can be, but at the same time how fun it can be and how much of a great experience you can have working hard in the sport industry. So I was definitely excited to get to kind of uh, do what I used to do back in school and mentor some young professionals and young college kids that are looking to get their start here in the sport industry.
0: You did a great job. And uh, so your dad and your whole family is a big baseball fan. Tell, me, tell us a little bit about the impact that they had uh, on you.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Like I said in the start of my blog post, I really do come from a baseball family and I grew up going to every single tournament my brother had, being there for, you know, BP all the way through the 107 degree days down in North Carolina, uh, watching tournaments all weekend long. And then uh, growing up wanting to go to, you know, for my 17th birthday, I asked for, a Red Sox trip with my dad I didn't want a birthday party I didn't want any other presents we awesome. just came to Boston went to a Red Sox game which and turned you're into two games
0: and, and you're and, from South you know, Carolina right
2: I'm from North Carolina North
0: Carolina I always get this I always get this screwed so. up I North always North screw Carolina.
2: that
0: up <laughs> um so why the hell are you Red Sox fans
2: my dad is from New England so he grew up here in Massachusetts and then at 13 the family moved up to Maine and he is a diehard Red Sox fan
0: I gotta love them. I gotta love them. Two thousand and four. I was right out of college. Giant Red Sox fan. Uh, watching the uh, Red Sox win the World Series. Probably some of the greatest two weeks of my life. But it was a, <laughs>
2: yeah, it
0: was a ton of fun. So, um, you went to the baseball winter meetings. Uh, what was that? Two thousand mm-hmm. and seventeen. And. Uh, and we met there. How did you hear about the baseball winter meetings and the job fair that's uh, included there?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I don't remember if it was my dad or my professor, Steve Taylor, that recommended it. One of the two of them did, and I asked the other and said, is this something I should do? And they were both saying, yes, you want to work in baseball, you should go. And Uh, like I said, I didn't really have a whole lot of intentions in taking a job because I already had my final semester at school lined up. I was supposed to intern, uh, continue working for the baseball program at South Carolina, and I decided to give it a shot and go to the winter meetings. I completely started my resume from scratch, just started with a blank word document to get myself ready, went with my couple hundred copies, and Obviously, it uh, turned into a great success, and I was able to work it out. I met Matt Harper and interviewed with him and you and then met with a group in uh, at the bar in the uh, lobby of the resort, and so that's, thing I knew, I was moving to Rhode Island. <laughs> so
0: that I'll tell you, the bar thing, the bar interview is one that I pride myself on <laughs> because you go through this whole thing and you interview 100 people, they just kind of get in like robot mode of like, yes, I'm Hannah Butler. Here's all the stuff that I've done. Because you do it 40 times, right? You must have had how many interviews? 20?
2: I only applied for 10 jobs. So I had less than 20 interviews. But, <laughs> but, but I was showed... definitely in, the, in that mode.
0: Yeah, right? So I say you got to bring everybody out to a bar because then you'll really see them in the, if they'll fit. And I remember uh, having drinks with you and everything was uh, – it, it, it turned out uh, it turned out great because you get to see the – uh, the real person. Uh, so yeah, I, appreciate I uh, you, Marty, Marty taught me that one, by the way.
2: Yeah. I called, uh, I called my family after and I was like, so I, I just had my second interview and I showed up with a beer in my hand and I think that was the right thing to do. <laughs> that was the and best like, thing you could have like, are you sure? I said, well, they were all sitting there drinking and I wasn't going to show up empty handed. So I went and got myself a Corona and walked up to the group. (laughs)
0: That that is the way to go. Uh, You're well prepared, well prepared. So we hired you as a hospitality uh, intern. You want to describe kind of what your first year was like?
2: Yeah, absolutely. My uh, first year was a lot of hard, physically demanding work. I oversaw Our uh, barbecue hospitality spaces, which is basically like pulled pork or pulled chicken, mac and cheese, lemonade and iced tea that just never seems to stay filled, uh, but then also got heavily involved with our VIP hospitality suites pretty quickly. So it was a good mix of, you know, flipping burgers and telling a bunch of high school kids what to do while also trying to be presentable in front of our corporate partners and sweet buyers and everything. So trying to balance the two, but uh, it wasn't easy and it was very, very hard work.
0: So what advice would you give someone? You know, I know what you did and you worked your ass off and hence why we asked you to say the second year, but I know for a fact that there had to be days that are in July and August. And you were like, I am so freaking tired of handling this Mac and cheese and this pulled chicken and filling up freaking iced tea things. What made you not say, I just, you always had such a positive attitude. What made you want to keep, have that smile on your face uh, coming to work every day instead of saying, F this, Uh, I'm tired of slinging hot dogs and burgers?
2: Yeah, yeah. There were definitely uh, days that I can vividly remember in late July that I would call my mom and say, what am I doing? (laughs) But I kind of tying back into what uh, Larry alluded to in his, um, interview early in your podcast and saying, you know, do every job well, and it'll turn into another job and another job. And which is also very similar to the whole lesson that my dad taught me in that every pitch counts. So I knew that I did not want to be doing what I was doing for another year. And that I had to do it well if I wanted to move on to bigger and better things. So just knowing that I had to keep that positive attitude and had to do that job well if I wanted to be trusted with more responsibility. So that's what kept me kept me going on those tough late July days.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, you did. A, um, I, st- I still can't believe you stuck, stuck around, but I'm so glad you did. But we also threw you a curveball. We were like, hey, we're not having a uh, we asked you to stay. You said yes. Uh, but we were like, hey, we don't have a ton of hours, but then you had to be creative. Uh, you are able to kind of work a second job, and then we added some more responsibility. Take us through kind of your thought process during those times.
2: Yeah, so I was pretty freaked out when I realized that I was going to have less hours, but knew that I was going to be able to make it work. You know, money is a real-life thing when you graduate college, and I was paying my own rent, paying my own utilities, and having to take care of myself and figure it out. So I was able to get this opportunity with executive group travel and planning incentive travel. So I kind of always joke and say, you know, one of our trips I had to go to Barcelona and babysit 400 drunk adults for a week in (laughs) Europe. And that is not an easy task, but I learned a ton about event planning, a ton about a whole lot of nitty-gritty details that I never would have gotten honestly, in the sport industry, so now going forward when I host larger conferences or if I'm helping with, you know, a founding partner trip or something like that, I have those resources and that experience, Uh, but that Barcelona trip actually uh, overlapped with opening day, so my March and April were insane. I was trying to get ready for opening day, working with a new caterer, but also plan this massive Barcelona trip among many others so it was a great you know learning time management and keeping you happy while also keeping my other <laughs> bosses happy and all that good stuff so it was a crazy crazy time but I learned a lot and it obviously has worked out for the better.
0: So it's one of the things that I learned from there is you're always good at always saying yes and then figuring out were there <laughs> times where you said like oh man I shouldn't have said yes to that one but uh, uh, I don't know what to do.
2: Uh, I think that there were times that I maybe agreed to working certain hours. So, you know, I would tell you, yeah, I'm going to be in the office this time, but then my other bosses needed me at overlapping times, So it was more a scheduling thing that I had to figure out. And it was more of a problem, honestly, in December and January when I was learning who needed what from me and when. But as I got more and more into it, I was able to figure out those needs from the different bosses uh but honestly i usually do say yes to everything but i think recently you asked me to help with a spreadsheet and you said you know i, I know your life has changed immensely over the ma- last week can you still do this and i think i was just like uh i don't know i don't yeah. think so and um, i'll just say so I, I haven't I said, said, I, I, I said i think i said
0: i think i said i'll do the spreadsheet and now uh <laughs> let me tell you the spreadsheet still isn't done uh <laughs> but uh we'll get there um so one of the things uh, I think that people can learn from you is getting the curveball can kind of freak you out, um, but being flexible and being like, all right, having the long term vision of like, this is really what I want to do and I want to figure it out. What was some of the thought process that you went through that you think other people can uh, take, from, uh, take from you uh, when you got that not the most ideal thing? Like, yeah, I need you to work less hours but I still want you. How did you get through that? What was your what What was your thought process that went through saying like, all right, I can figure this out?
2: Mm-hmm. I think I had to, you know, it took me a day or so to remove the emotion from it. But once I got through that and started to think logistically, can I make this work? Can I stay? What can I get that'll be not just, you know, bartending or something was kind of the first thing that came to mind, but something that would have been, more helpful for my career in the long run while getting to stay with the team which is kind of the ultimate goal here and I was able to with help get this opportunity and through a lot of communication like I said work out the scheduling and work out who needed me where and when and it did freak me out and I was very nervous but it ended up obviously turning out all right
0: Was there any times during the last two years where you questioned yourself and be like, am I doing the right thing? And then how did you, if so, how did you get through those times? Oh,
2: once a week. I'm like, am I doing the (laughs) right (laughs) thing? But then you have something like, today it's Halloween and we had a Halloween event at the ballpark and uh, Rick Medeiros claims that it was our best Halloween event to date and there were so many kids flowing in for three whole hours at the ballpark and they were all dressed up and so excited to be at mccoy stadium and go out and look at the field and go through the spooky hallway and it's things like that that yes my to-do list is still so long and i still have so much to accomplish tomorrow and today even but getting to see those little kids and give them that experience is the reason i'm here so it's the weekly oh my gosh i'm so stressed what am i doing then gets made up when you actually put on a successful event and see it come to fruition and see the smiles on the little kids' faces.
0: Oh yeah, I'm, uh, I wasn't around today, but I'm sure it was a it was a wonderful event uh, that that you did, and it's uh it's those types of moments where you're like yeah, this is uh this is this is this is pretty cool. Uh, so when you, it was for me, it was. Plug and play. We didn't. Uh, it was plug and play when you uh, when the position became open. I talked to Charles, uh, our president, uh, many times before this. I said, you know, if anything ever happened, we've got to find a spot for Hannah. And uh, I think with your experience when you went to uh, do the Barcelona trips and the executive travel helped you with the special event side of it. Like, oh, I got to do this big thing for the short amount of time. Um, it was it was plug and play. And I always preach, as you know, uh, effort and attitude. And I always thought you were the epitome of what effort and attitude is. You come in, uh, you busted your ass slinging hot dogs. Uh, and then, uh, but you always did it with a smile on your face though. So, it, uh, it can be hard. And that's the kind of person that creates good culture. That's the kind of person that, uh, creates uh, a good organization because you get more and more of those people throughout the organization, and it just is fantastic. So, Hannah, you've done a great job, and I think you can be literally an inspiration to other people who are in college or out of their first year that work hard, do it with a smile on your face. Uh, you've got a, a big uh, career ahead of you.
2: Thank you. Thanks so much.
0: Um, I'm thankful to have you. Uh, I'm thankful that uh, uh, that you took the job. That you didn't say no. I really hate my boss. Go to hell. Um, and uh, uh, you're gonna you're gonna do great things. So, how many days are you into uh, a full-time role with the uh, Pawtucket Red Sox?
2: Oh, not even two weeks. I don't think.
0: Not even two weeks. But uh, I'm sure it's the greatest two weeks of your life. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, well, Hannah, thank you very much for joining us on Front Office Features, not only on the podcast today, but on the, uh, on the blog. So go read Hannah's story. Uh, it's called every pitch counts. It's on, uh, frontofficefeatures.com. So, uh, check it out. Hannah, thanks again.